0: Did you miss 49ers War Room? It was absolutely spectacular. Our guests did an amazing job.
1: They did. They did do an amazing job. And I would say shame on you, but luckily you can go back and watch it immediately after this and you should definitely do so. So make sure you come back to the channel, go through season two playlist and find yourself some 49ers War Room.
0: You don't want to miss 49ers War Room. It's the best thing going today. We are going to be talking interior defensive linemen. We did edge rushers before. We've done a lot of positions, in fact. Interior defensive line, though, are the big daddies. These guys get after it, and there's a lot of intriguing prospects the 49ers could potentially add to maybe replace a DJ Jones or one of those guys we shall see. Or sure up your bets with Javon Kinlock. Just, you're not sure. You're not sure about the health, although the
1: stuff he's been putting out recently, Ant, I do like seeing it. I so do like seeing he, it. He looks like a freaking manster. That's the truth. That guy's getting after for sure. Look, and we're getting after it as well. You make sure you get after it right now and hit that like button and subscribe if you have not already. Uh, and Ant, let's get into this. Let's get into these defensive line prospects. Let's get into the guys that potentially the Niners could be looking at and could be targeting. Who's the first guy on your list?
0: Uh, Travis Jones, six foot four, three 325 pounds out of UConn. Uh, he's a one technique, which means he's going to be a nose tackle in the 49ers 4'3". Uh, the role that DJ Jones was just playing, the role that it appears Javon Kinlaw is going to play. Uh, I thought, number one, the guy's huge. <laughs> that's the first thing I wrote down. Fair. Huge. Um, huge developmental pass rusher. So he's a guy that's working on his pass rush game. It's not all the way there. Of course, you're not asking a nose tackle to rush on third down. So their pass rush skills don't have to be completely refined, but something he needs to work on. I thought he had good hands, his good placement, able to get heavy hands on the opposing offensive lineman, and then be able to disengage when asked. Um, and he's a space eater. He's a guy that eats up a lot of, of room. He's a two-gapper, as it would be. He can occupy blockers and not get pushed back which is good for run stopping ability now the things that I thought were a little bit questionable was his athleticism I didn't see you know a top flight athlete we're used to seeing DJ Jones run all over all over the place and he's not the athlete athlete to the level of Javon Kinlaw as well but Kinlaw was also supposed to be a huge three tech so there's that and then at times he plays a little high I thought at times that his pad level raised, but we know this is something that consistently happens in college. And then when they get to the NFL, these players, these coaches work on these players getting lower and lower, and lower In fact, Chris Kasarik works on it every single day and really gets after it. So if he could fix those two things, I think he could be a real space eater in somebody's four, three uh, potentially at the one tech position.
1: Look, I, I think I don't think I have as many concerns about like the athleticism with him. I thought for his size, he moved very, very well. Um, but I understand exactly what you're talking about because we're used to someone that DJ Jones size and Javon Kinlow's size moving the way that they do. And he doesn't move the same exact way. I agree with you there. I also love his motor. I, I loved his motor. He was very, ag- very active and aggressive and per his coaches as well from reports and things that I was seeing. And some interviews I was seeing his coaches do talking about him. They love the work ethic out of this guy. This guy does not quit. This guy is consistently working and improving on his game. So let's get, Chris in here, who's got a ridiculously high middle. Let's get Darrell Tapp in there with him as well, and let's let these guys go to work with a guy like this. I think it would actually translate pretty well, um, but you are not wrong about the pass rush situation there, Ant. He is developmental in that area, but in the run and run fits and run situations, this guy's a monster.
0: Yeah, he is. You know, and, and when I'm talking about the athleticism, I'm questioning whether he's going to be able to be a penetrator in the in the 49 ers scheme. Uh, if he's going to be able to turn and get down the line of scrimmage and be able to run down a running back when he's going against his own scheme. Those are things that I have questions about. But other than that, he's a very good talent. And if the 49 Philly meets the athletic requirements to be able to do the the tasks that they've required him to do, uh, then yeah, he could be a bang-up selection. But I don't know if he'll be there at 61. He's pretty good talent.
1: He is a pretty good talent. It's going to be very difficult for him to get to that spot. Uh, the Marvin Leal, Texas A&M. I've heard a lot of different people talk about this. Um, I, I've seen a lot of different things that make me think that he might be decent as a, as a three tech. How are you feeling about where he could fit or slide into with the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah.
0: There's a lot of conversation with this guy's a three technique or a, you know, a defensive end that plays a seven tech in somebody's system. Um, I think he could also play a five tech in the three, four, depending on, sure. you know, which scheme he goes into uh, six foot three, 283 pounds. So right away you start thinking that that tweener role, right? The Solomon Thomas type size uh, and length. That is something that is, is always drawn into question. The first thing I wrote down, in fact, Alex, was defensive end build. That was the first thing I noticed about him. Um, Three tech and five tech is what I wrote down after that. So there you go. Uh, Great motor, though. I mean, the guy gets after it, and he continually does. And he works his hands really well. Like, this guy's hand placement and the way that he continues to go from move to move to move to move, moving his hands, ripping, uh, getting people's hands off him, it is really good. Like, I, I really enjoyed that. Now, his first step, though, at times can be very average. He's not like one of those guys that gets off really quickly, and then I worry about him against double teams. Uh, this guy's a definite penetrator, so 49er-wise, that makes a lot of sense. He gets behind the line of scrimmage, is able to move with the zone guys and get down the line, but I worry about him being able to anchor, be able to get skinny and get between these double teams and hold up against the run if he's playing the 3 tech.
1: Look, I, I think that's fair, especially since there's a guy later that we're going to talk about that I don't think has any of these issues or problems or concerns that is further down on draft boards um, that I think doesn't struggle against double teams at all. Um, this is something that I saw on film as well as is, is there's concerns there. And what have we seen with the San Francisco 49ers in their front? They are going to try and double team the interior because you can't send to it. Nick Bosa, he's just going to eat them alive and they're going to have to if you're going to try and. Dominant at the point of attack, right? Then you have to make sure that you do something against Eric Armstead, because you put him one-on-one, he was gonna beat you. Last year, with how dominant DJ Jones was, you couldn't put him one-on-one, he was gonna eat you alive. You had to double at the point of attack, and that's where teams found success early in the season against San Francisco, was double teaming and winning those double teams at the point of attack. A guy like this may not slot very well into this position, but I do like a lot of the other things that he does and, and a lot of his other skill sets and the active hands that you discussed, Ant, is one of the best things about this guy on film. Um, This guy is able to get in move, 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 move after move after move, and the swim move of his is very nasty also. I love that swim move.
0: Yeah, I think he actually might need to play on the outside in somebody's Maybe. you know defense. I'm not sure he's a 49ers wide nine defensive end, but I think he could be a 4-3 defensive end in the league. Somebody that really does appreciate how well he uses his hands, his com- continued motor, would be a nice rotational piece. Uh, so maybe that's what his niche is going to be in the NFL.
1: It possibly could be, and So Cutback Crew, let us know what you thought about DeMarvin Leal and Travis Jones there at of UConn. You like either one of these. You think the Niners should be taking a look there at 61 if they were to get to that spot. Now... Mike from Nothing But Niners brought this guy up at towards the back end of our draft. This is a guy he really, really liked out of Alabama, Federian Mathis. What are you thinking?
0: Federian Mathis, 6'4, 310 pounds. I thought he moved a lot better than what I initially thought he was going to. When I saw him, I was like, okay, how's this guy gonna move? But I thought he moved pretty well. I, I see him as a one tech in the NFL. I think that is something he's gonna play. That's a no-sackle, a very good first step. Like you saw the the problem with with the DeMar- Marvin Leal maybe not getting the great first step. This guy has a great first step. He's got good pass rush moves, and for a one tech to have good pass rush moves, it gave me a little bit of the DJ Jones vibes as far as pass rush goes. And then he's an athlete. He gets down the line of scrimmage. He runs guys down. He. Doesn't stop. So those are good things from him. And when you're talking about an athletic nose tackle, this guy fits what the 49ers want to do. Now, I don't know if he's athletic enough to be the three tech, but definitely to play the one he can. Now, the one question with him is sometimes he plays high. His pad level starts to rise as the game moves on. As he gets more winded, gets more reps, he will rise. So being a part of a 49ers tremendous rotation would definitely benefit him where he's not tasked with playing as many snaps as he played at Alabama. But I do think he's a good talent. And the 49ers selected him. He would be absolute force once he got to work with chris kasarik
1: and i don't have any concerns about iq because he played a lot of different roles at alabama in yep. that front meaning that he can kind of fit into and do what you need him to do and understand responsibilities yep. terminology things of that nature at a high level it's crazy ant because you just said he played a lot of snaps at alabama and you're not wrong but one of the knocks that i've been seeing on him and i watched a couple of other people breaking down his film because I couldn't get the, like some of like the coach angle that I wanted to, so I resorted to watching other people breaking it down, most time on mute, but occasionally just peek in to hear what they have to say because getting other people's perspective on people helps as well. And a, a lot of people think that he rotated in a lot, and therefore there might be effort motor concerns because of the amount of times he comes in and out of the game and the rotation there, thinking maybe he's either not in great shape or he's not a fit in certain situations. I think Alabama just has a lot of talent along the front and plays in a rotation, which for me means that he may transition perfectly into San Francisco, and which plays with a heavy rotation. So folks, people out there breaking down Fedarian uh, Mathis film, if you're breaking down film and you don't like him because he plays in a rotation, please NFL teams keep sleeping on him. Let him fall to San Francisco. I wouldn't hate this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Gigantic roster sizes in college with Supreme athletes like they get with all the scholarships. Why wouldn't you have a rotation and keep these guys healthy? And they're fresh. able, they're able to put in another guy that's just as good or better than Federian Mathis. Why wouldn't they do that? That just makes a lot of sense to me. I have no problem with. It. Do I believe he's in the best shape of his life? Uh, you know, in college, no. Do I think he's going to get in better shape as he transitions to the NFL? Yes. Do I have any concerns about him being able to play, play in and play out? No, I don't. And being part of the Forty Nineers' rotation can definitely help with that.
1: Uh, fair, Ant. Fair. Now let's get to a gentleman that. I personally know already you like because we talked about this pre-show Logan Hall out of Houston. What do you like about this guy? Do you think he's a scheme fit for
0: San Francisco? And if so, why? And then where would you take him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Logan Hall, six foot six, 283 pounds out of Houston. First off, I love the length, right? We've seen the 49ers go with length at the three tech position, whether it was, you know, arms as a slid in, you know, recently, but Buckner. kinlaw they go with a bigger oversized three technique logan hall could fit that role for sure now it's a guy that you could plug and play i know the 283 doesn't sound good but we all know when he comes in the nfl he's going to be 290 plus he's going to put on that exercise and speed and muscle but he's still not going to lose the speed now the one thing i loved about him was his length that is something he does really well he gets offensive players away from him and then is able to disengage and his quickness is very noticeable on film He gets after these guys and he's able to get, you know, move back past the offensive lineman before they even know what happened. He played a little bit on the edge. He played some inside. What I liked about it is he's a mismatch for guards. The same things you say about Armstead, you'll say about him. Um, The question is his pad level against double teams. Uh, So sometimes when he goes against a double team, he will try to swim and go over the top, will allow them to get underneath and then they drive him back. So I didn't think he's gonna have to work in that angle of the game. But to me, he's a tremendous talent and I would be willing to take this guy in the third round. I for sure would. If you've seen him anywhere near 93 or, or 105 and the Niners pounced on him, you would know he was a nice rotational piece behind Armstead and the eventual replacement for Eric Armstead.
1: Bear, uh, I Bear, uh, you, would you say that you'd believe, based on what you've seen, because this is kind of how I felt, that right now his best fit is sort of a, a pass rushing role there on the interior? Because I thought his change of direction was phenomenal on film, and you said the speed. I thought so as well. So I tried to look it up as 40 time and looking at a couple of different things because I want to, you know, see the 40 time was a four eight eight. but his coaches, his coaches discussed his feet speed and said that he ran faster than Peyton Turner, who clocked 21, 21.5 miles per hour. They've seen him outrun him in practice in certain situations on angles. So I, I think the speed is there, like the overall speed and the first burst ability it may take a little bit of time to accelerate, but when you're a D lineman, if you got a good first step, that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm really talking about. It's a short area of quickness, and he's able to get after and get past offensive linemen before um, they know what happened. And I think that is something that you need on the interior part of your offensive line in Chris Cacarek's style of you know defensive line play, where it's about penetration, it's about creating angles, and then being able to get in the backfield and wreak havoc. That's why a guy that normally wouldn't be the normal size for a three-tech but looks like a defensive end and can transition to the inside because of the style of defense that you're going to play on the line. Well, that's why he makes a lot of sense. And then you just look at the measurables, the six-foot height, six, the 290-pound frame, and you're looking at a guy that could potentially develop into a very dynamic player for your defense.
1: Uh, I like that, Ant. Would you discourage or encourage... Arden key type role versatility for him moving on to the interior on pass rushing depth. I
0: mean, I think he could, I can think he could come in there right away and be in that sort of a role for sure. Sure. Where he's a guy that could come in and play on third down and, you know, and pass rush. But I do think he's a guy that can develop into a three down defensive lineman for you. Uh, So yeah, I mean, he's going to have that versatility and you you want those guys in your defense. But I think he's more to that. I think you could play him at defensive end. I think he could set the edge um, for the Niners. I think that's something he could do just with a little bit of work from Kacarek and Daryl Tapp.
1: Fair. I like that, Ant. I do like that a lot. Uh, Matthew Butler, Tennessee, defensive tackle there. Thoughts on this? I, I, I liked his first step at times. I thought it was inconsistent, though. I didn't see, like, explosive first-step ability. There's times where he gets off quickly and, and is beating guys to the punch, but it's not all the time. It's not every snap. Um, I do think he has some good flexibility. What, what are you thinking overall?
0: Yeah, did I say I gave the previous player a star? You didn't say the previous L- L- player. Logan Hall was a star for me, there by the go. way. I had forgot to say that. But Matthew Butler was one that I was on the on the edge of star or no star um, because some of the stuff that he did. I mean, the guy is absolutely big and strong. I mean, every bit of uh, every bit of a 6'3", 297 frame is on display. Uh, he's very, very athletic for size. I did think he was a guy that could play three tech in the 49ers system. I liked him. Good long arm. This guy gets into your chest plate, and he drives you back. There, all that strength is put into it. And then he's a very good athlete. So once you had the, those intangibles, I thought he was somebody that Chris Cacera could mold into a very good defensive lineman. To me, he reminded me of some of the guys we have, you know, currently and the, the athleticism and the way they're able to move, the leverage that they play with. Um, so he's a nice target for the 49ers. He played in the SEC and held up very well there. Uh, so I think this is a guy that could play at 6'3", about 305 pounds, put on a little bit of weight and would be a nice solid three tech for the 49ers in their rotation not good enough to start over an Armstead, for instance, um, but somebody that you could add to a rotation on the interior.
1: I thought he fired out too low, which I liked. I like yeah. the the fact that his get-off is low. He's low in space, low center of gravity, not giving a lot of of... Body and, and things for offensive linemen to get a hold of and, and target. Um, the big thing too is, is this guy is a six year senior, so this guy got the additional COVID year from everything that happened and took it took advantage of it. Took advantage of it a huge way. Put up his best numbers this past season. Um, he's definitely flying up boards and is definitely a prospect now that people have eyes on more. Before he was probably going to be going later in drafts if he didn't have that extra year of development. He took advantage of it, and that's one of the nice things that we've seen out of this is some players got that extra additional year. Now that doesn't mean they come into the league a little bit older. And there's people who say, well, they come in older. Maybe their their longevity, their lifespan, the the, the top of their game before they hit that twilight and start to – the downturn isn't there yet, but they come in more ready than ever before as well, which could be something that plays in his favor uh, and, and plays well for him. Um, I don't hate where he's at in, in drafts right now. And where would you go with this? Are you thinking 105 is a is spot that
0: you would take a guy like this or is it a little bit later? Yeah, I think this would be like a 134 guy. This is a fourth-round pick for me. Um, and, you know, if he goes before that, you congratulate the team that got him. Like, I think he's a good player. Uh, but I wouldn't take him before you pick at 134 in the fourth round. Fair.
1: Fair. Right. I, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, there are some things I like about him, but not as much as the next guy we're going to talk about, Zachary Carter. Uh, because I don't know if you've known this cutback crew. Number one, I'm a Florida Gator fan. That's, that's, that's a given. Uh, but number two, there haven't been a lot of Florida Gators discussed this year. We didn't get to talk about Kyrie Ellum. Why? Because he's, he's not going to 61. He's not falling that far. He's not falling anywhere near... Where the San Francisco 49ers can't select them, and that hurts. Hurts not to be able to talk about my favorite Florida Gator from this past year. But you know what we can do, Ant? We can talk about my second favorite Florida Gator from the University of Florida for this past season, Zachary Carter, who is an absolute monster. This might be my, my favorite interior defensive lineman in this draft class. Talk about a guy who played on the edge, and I remember him specifically as Edge, and I talked about this with you pre show, where I started watching, when I started doing edge rushers, I started with Zach Carter because I want to start with my Florida Gator guys, of course, because I'm biased. Uh, and I started watching the film, and I was like, he has versatility, I think he actually translates better than the inside, I'm gonna put him in my interior D-line and go there, and by the time I got done with my interior D-offensive lineman, it, it, for me, it was my favorite guy, and I'm gonna let my bias show here, and I'm co- totally fine with that, he's got a nasty single arm, he's deceptively strong and explosive, and... Uh, he has a hybrid of flexibility and versatility like the Eric Armstead-esque role, though he doesn't have Eric Armstead size. Um, and he does not lose versus first double teams. This is a guy who consistently on film I see winning and at times beating double teams. Now, he doesn't dominate double teams like we saw to Armstead and like we saw to DJ Jones, but he doesn't lose either, which is something we've seen out of Javon Kinlaw. Not losing, being able to take on, stagnate, not get pushed off. I think he needs to work on a rim, rip in his arm over move. But I think he's extremely raw as well and can be developed and harnessed and turned into something. He's a guy I have a, a third round grade on, Ant. I think he's a third round type talent that isn't going in the third round, which means gem and glory for the San Francisco 49ers.
0: Yeah, you know what? I, I did like Zachary Carter as well. Six foot four, 282 pounds. I believe he'll probably play in the NFL around 295 pounds, but he's got a very good athleticism. Uh, he's a star player for me as well. So this is one of those rare times where we agree on a Florida player. Sure. Um, so well done. <laughs> um, he's explosive. I mean, a, a super explosive, strong, good pass rush moves, um, heavy hands and is a penetrator. I mean, he gets in the backfield and he wreaks havoc, but those heavy hands help him get, you know, offensive linemen on their heels. I, I thought that was very, very Nice. And I wrote down that he was a three-tech. I thought that was something he could be in the NFL. You wonder about that size, but because I've seen his frame and how he carries his weight, I do believe he could put on a little bit more size and then be able to translate there. I get the comparisons to Eric Armstead. The difference between him and Armstead are Armstead's frequently tall and being able to carry the weight that he, he carries and still be able to move the way he does. But this guy's very athletic, and that's why I think he fits in the 49ers scheme. He is more adjacent to the the arden key role right he's that guy already he's the, he's literally built like arden key um maybe a little bit more physically you know built in the upper body but a very solid player my question was for him was can he consistently beat double teams in the nfl
1: i don't know if he can beat them
0: yeah i i seen him you'll know, be able to hold up against double teams in the sec but i'm wondering if he can beat them can he can he learn how to get skinny be able to break through those double teams and make plays um, because that's something the 49ers had to do last year. Armstead and DJ Jones got that done on a consistent basis. If he can do that, he's going to be one of those guys that could definitely fit in the rotation. So, yeah, if the 49ers took him, I'd be excited about it. Uh, not going to be unexcited about it. That's yeah. for sure my <laughs> guy.
1: Uh, Chris Hinton, defensive tackle, Michigan. How you feeling?
0: Yeah, you know what? Uh, Chris Hinton was one of those interesting guys. 6'3", 305 pounds from Michigan. I thought he was a one tech, uh, playing with a lot of really, really great talent around him. Uh, There were times when I thought he flashed and he looked good, and you're like, oh, okay, like I I like where this is going. And then there were times you're like, okay, he disappears in games, and where did did he go? Um, He's slow to start. His snap, I saw one snap where he got off tremendously fast, and he, I mean, with his skill set, was able to do some damage. The problem was... There was also times he wasn't. There was a slow start to him. I didn't like that. And then he's just not that great at pass rush. He's, I'm not even sure he's a developmental guy. He's one of those guys that's a, a one or uh, first and second down uh, run stopper in the NFL. I don't think he's a guy that you can have in there on pass downs. Uh, so Chris Hinton's a solid player. But but no one that I was like wowed about uh, at the dynamics that he would be able to display in the NFL.
1: It felt like a reliance on power on film like he if he can get guys and get his hands on guys early and get guys off their spot, then he's can control and he's fine. Uh, but if you're asking him to try and shed, disengage, you know make any sort of move, club rip, club sw- anything, um, this is where he starts to struggle the the hands and hand placement and things of that nature is just not a strength of his but and like you talked about when he does get off the snap quick and, and is able to get into guys early and catch them off guard and not let them get their hands on him and control, he can have some success. So there is that there, but it doesn't feel like this would be an option for San Francisco because he has less versatility in the rotation. He's more pigeonholed in terms of what he can provide to your defensive front Agreed. right now. And the Niners have a lot of guys who have flexibility, which means they can play them any down any distance. Whereas this, if this guy's on the field, if a team sees him rotating
0: in, they're sitting there going,
1: we have an advantage here in certain things. We can go up past it here, go play action,
0: and this guy's going to be in trouble. Yeah, the 49ers have definitely been trending more towards more athletic guys uh-huh. uh, playing that one tech, and I thought at times I questioned his athleticism, so maybe he's not a fit for the 49ers and what they want to do. Uh,
1: might not be. Might not, not Might not be, but John Ridgeway, Ant, Potentially could be. There's some good things to like about the gentleman out of Arkansas. What are some of your things?
0: Well, here's the first off. He's massive. He's six foot five, 321 pounds out of Arkansas. Uh, he's a he's to what I saw is a one tech. I think he's a one tech in the NFL. He's, he's got a great motor. I mean, he gets after it consistently. He's got a lot of power. And if you want to watch a defensive lineman that consistently disengages from the offensive players, it's Ridgeway. Uh, the guy has really strong hands, and he's able to disengage. He's got long arms. I really like that. So he was somebody that I was excited about. The problem with him was at times his hands were slow to have contact. So when he got his hands up, you know, and got into somebody, there was power there when there wasn't, and he let his hand slip. The offensive lineman could get a hold of him. But I thought for his size and speed ratio, he would be absolutely fantastic in Chris Asterik rotation.
1: Uh, he he really would, man. Talk about uh, power. Talk about uh, just displacement ability. This guy displaces people. He moves people. He gets them off their spot. He gets them off balance. Uh, and if you're off balance and you let this guy get his hands on you early, you're you're in trouble. We could be seeing what we saw last year with Lankin Tomlinson being literally walked back into Jimmy Garoppolo uh, for what felt like an embarrassing second. Be like, oh, Jimmy just stand there flat footed. It's like, no, your your guard just got absolutely decimated. And what's your quarterback supposed to do when he's dropping back in space, trying to read the field and this lineman is slowly getting walked back into the quarterback, this guy has that ability to be able to displace, move guys, get them off their spot, and start marching his way towards that quarterback. Uh, but but you're right. You brought on some of the weaknesses there. But I did like a lot of the things. And this is a guy who's, it's odd with him because there's some people that love Ridgeway. They absolutely love him and put yeah. him as one of the top three guys in this draft on the interior D line. And then there's some places and some people that feel like, this is a guy who all he has is power and they don't see the extra things there because he's not necessarily the most fluid guy in space moving around, but with his size, with his stature, the way he's built, I think he's flexible enough and moves well enough that he's going to be a problem in the league, especially if you get him into the right coaching staff and the right scheme.
0: Yeah. I mean, you just got to have elite something, right? And he has elite power. So uh, as long as you get his hand placement technique down, he's going to be able to cause some problems and at least stop the run. So as a, you know, first and second down run stopper, he's good at that. But like you talked about, he can also walk a offensive lineman straight back into the quarterback. That's something he does really well And with his length. He's going to be able to disengage as well. I think he could develop his pass pass rush ability. I'm not saying he's ever going to be a three down defensive lineman in the league, uh, but he could definitely be one of those guys that can make an impact.
1: I definitely could. He definitely could. So TCC, let us know what you think about that. If you like that, let us know in the comment section down below right this minute, because we're already here right? We're to the last gentleman that we're going to be talking about, because after watching the film, after well, number one, knowing what the 49ers are right now, there's not a lot of options for them to go a defensive line. And if you're going to go defensive line, you can't get too late in this draft, because if you do, you're talking about a guy who's potentially not going to even be making your roster, or has a chance to, to start or, or, or be in the rotation. Um, Haskell Garrett, defensive
0: tackle, interior defensive, defensive lineman blah, 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 out of Ohio State. What are you thinking? Yeah, if you're looking at his it, measurable six foot two, three hundred pounds, you think DJ Jones right away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the build is. He has a great first step. He gets after it really quick, um, gets down the line. So he's one of those guys that's able to play against zone offenses because he can get down the line of scrimmage and fill holes. And then his pass rush moves are pretty good. Uh, I thought overall he looked pretty dynamic. Um, my problem with him is at times when he got put in one-on-one situations, he didn't win. And when you are, are tasked with playing, being one-on-one when you're playing with Nick Bosa, you're expected to win. So um, that was something that I, I believe is a reason why he's a little bit farther down the board than he probably should be because there's a lot of really, really nice traits about him. That first step is elite first step. I mean, he gets off the ball quickly and is able to get in the backfield. So um, I like him a lot. And I think in the late rounds, if he's still around, you know, I think the Niners should probably take a, take a look at him. He could potentially be somebody to add to their rotation. The only problem is that defensive line for the Niners is absolutely stacked. So whether he could you know, go in there and make the team is a big question.
1: It is a big question. Um, but what I don't question is football IQ with this guy, because I saw times on film where you have his guy pulling in space. He understands what his responsibility is, and he's able to get off the ball, knife through, and disrupt plays in the backfield. Things that we saw DJ Jones type things that we saw them, him do, where he gets off quickly. A guy is out of position. He has the leverage point of attack, understands what his role is in that, in that spot, and takes huge advantage and makes big plays in the backfield. I saw Haskell Garrett do as well. So the IQ is there. The question is, is just that, right? All the other things that you talked about and hey, the things you brought up, especially, is he talented enough to be able to crack this roster and do things better than some of the names that we already have? Can he can he be more productive than a than a Mo Hurst? Can he flash better than we've seen out of guys like Kevin Givens on this roster? I don't know. And the the, har- the more you're not the guy right behind either Javon Kinla or Eric Armstead, you start you should start being put in the position. If you're not the next guy, you might not be the guy because of the amount of D ends that have flexibility and versatility to move inside guys that we've, we've talked about, right? Samson Nebby could potentially move inside. Carrie Hyder is most definitely going to be moving onto the interior. We have Trey. That's now a part of this, this group as well. That's been brought in. There are guys who have flexibility to move around and do different things. Haskell Garrett is not a guy who has the same amount of flexibility and versatility to be all over that line, which means if he's not the guy right behind your starters, and he make this 53, and is it worth the risk of bringing this guy into the fold with this group and not being able to put him on the 53 and then trying to sneak a guy like this to the practice squad?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what you're going to do, right? You're going to bring him in to compete because you have Mo Hurst that pretty much does what he does, but at a higher level because Mo Hurst is uh, one of the tremendous players who just was injured. I mean, that's really what it came down to. Uh You have Kevin Gibbons. He's played in the system for a while, and you know what he can do in your system. And then you signed Hassan Ridgeway, uh, who has a lot of ability as well. I think that was what, the name that was yeah, the me. 49ers defensive interior line is really good. And like you talked about, the abundance of edge rushers on the outside means that when you get to third down in these specialty times, they're going to have extra edge rushers on the field. They're going to get after it, which means these other guys are going to play a rotation on first and second down. Do you need to add another player to that? I don't know. I mean, that's, that's going to be one of the big questions for the 49ers. I think there are areas they'd rather address than defensive line but if you get to a point in the draft and you have a guy that's maybe like a second or third round grade on the interior defensive line and you're at the end of the 5th or into the or into the 6th round at some point, you have to be like, you know what, the value's just there. We gotta go get this guy and let him compete and see what happens. Uh, because potentially, if you find a rookie that's gonna play at the level of one of the veterans, you save money and then potentially have a guy for four years instead of the one-year deal you had on the other player.
1: True, and if the, the other guy's putting together an impressive camp and an impressive preseason, the vet guy is, you might be able to turn around and deal said player and get some capital in return it and save money in the process. So there are definitely options there. The question is, is are one of these guys going to be that, right? Are one of these guys gonna be the home run value option for the 49ers later or fall a little bit because of all the talent everywhere else that is in this draft. Um, you know, some of these guys are in that tweener mold that we talked about Ant, and maybe teams aren't looking for tweener molds. They're looking for something specific, They're looking for a big bodied, big burly bruising guy who can be a presence on rundowns. And if that's the case, some of these other guys that we've talked about the Zach Carters of the world, right? The Haskell Garrett's of the world that have
0: pass rushing ability. Maybe they fall off the wayside. Yeah, it could be. You know, we'll see how far these guys drop. the more, The farther they drop, the more likely they are to end up in San Francisco. Accurate. If they feel like they're one of those guys, you just you know, you can't pass up on uh, Elijah Mitchell. The 49 did not plan on taking two running backs in that draft, but when you have a third round grade on somebody and they're you're in the sixth round and they're still sitting there, you can't pass up taking that player. That would be that'd be bad business. That'd be a bad way to build your team. So I think that that's a similar thing that could happen here is defensive lineman going to be on the forefront of the 40 yards, you know, eyes. I don't think so. I think there's going to be 10 to 12 players that they ultimately are looking to target in this draft. They're going to strategically try to go get those. But if one of these guys fall, when those guys are gone, maybe they go for it. Could be the case in TCC. If that's what happens, who is
1: it? Who is the name and where is it going to be? We want to hear from you. Let us know which of these interior defensive linemen could go to San Francisco and where we want to hear from you on this. And while you're down there commenting away, Don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell amp because they don't want to miss more draft coverage. They don't want to miss more war rooms special war rooms coming up they don't want to miss those ant
0: no no we're going to have war rooms galore uh actually no but it's going to all it's all going to finish you know on on the wednesday before the draft when alex me and you do our own very own war room uh we'll let everyone know that we're going to be the general managers for that one the tcc will help us they will be in the war with us and they'll try to help us decide who to take it will be our final mock as it would be um so i'm excited for that we've been through all the different positions now we've been going through all the different players and I think we're ready to roll for this uh, war room when it comes up. Uh man, I'm, I'm excited, man. We've now officially covered the positions. And some of the people may be going, no, you guys
1: haven't. You haven't talked about quarterbacks. It's just, it's not, there's no point. There's no point to do it. The Niners are not going to take a guy early in this draft. They're not taking a guy in the middle of this draft. And uh, maybe they take a flyer on the guy with pick 262 with Mr. Irrelevant. If they decide to keep it, the likelihood is no quarterbacks. And because likelihood of no quarterbacks, Ant, that's a wrap on all the positions we've covered them all.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing is finally we've gotten through a lot of prospects. There's still prospects to be watched before true. we ever even get to War Room uh, because we do have a lot of things coming up as, as far as that goes. But we have to know <laughs> have to talk about everyone because when we're live for the draft party, we've got to be able to talk about everyone that's available in the second and third round. And then day three, we've got to be able to talk about all those guys too.
1: It's very true. So make sure you're here for all of it. we still got tons of videos coming out. we still got tons of live streams coming your way. You don't want to miss any of them. And until the next one, cut back, ruin the faithful. Stay safe. Remember the right way is always the 49ers way. You stuck around all the way to this point well i i hope i hope by this point you've at least liked and subscribed if you haven't already and there's some, some cards over there ant too with some yeah. other high quality videos they can check out
0: yeah click one of the click one of the links and watch one of the videos it's
1: gonna be great we'll see you there